guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Cultsploitation.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Uh, we're back today with a episode of Remake Ween. Uh, we're continuing that all the way until the end of October for Halloween, because we've uh, got two more episodes to go in our Remake Ween series, uh, this one and next week's episode. And then also, we got a special episode that's going to be dropping on Halloween Day, so fun stuff. We're really hunkering down and getting to work for the last few weeks before Halloween, so having a lot of fun over here at Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Um, getting ready for all the Thanksgiving Oh, yeah. Films. Thanksgiving films, Christmas films. No. No, we're, no, not even close, no. We're skipping a holiday. Skipping Veterans Day. What Veterans Day film do you want to do? There's a lot of war movies you could do. Mm-hmm. Saving Pri- Private Ryan? No. <laughs> uh today for our remake of ween special um we're moving on from one michael bay film last week with friday the 13th and we're moving into another michael bay remake film of a classic slasher franchise um we're doing a nightmare on elm street from 2010 uh which, i thought you were gonna say the dentist uh, the dentist yeah why would we do the dentist why not that's not a remake nor is it from the 2000s. Well, why haven't they? Nor is it a Michael Bay film. <laughs> it's none of those things. So I don't know where that came from. Uh, but it is a fun movie. Corbin Berenson in there. I've never seen it. I just, uh, it's I, fun. I, yeah. I just remember the box art um, at the video store. It's a fun movie. It's it's fun. Like, oh. You should check it out. Um, no, we're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. Which um, did not get good reviews when it came out. Uh Back in 2010, and I was one of those people that went out and saw it right away at the movie theaters. Not because I was excited for it, um, but because I had brand, um, I don't know, like a brand appreciation for Nightmare on Elm Street, the series. So You wanted to give Wes Craven a paycheck. Yeah, I don't even know how much this gave Wes Craven a paycheck so much as it was just based on characters from his original idea. Uh, but I'm we, sure he got a good royalty. Check. I bet, yeah. But whatever the case may be, I wanted to check it out just because I was at least a little bit interested to see what they could do with the franchise. Um, and actually, this was before I had seen some of the other remakes, like uh, Friday the Thirteenth, which I didn't see until much later on. Um, I, th- I believe I had seen My Bloody Valentine before that. Had was not impressed. Um, yeah, you saw that in theaters. Yeah, I, I also saw that in theaters. And I uh, so I, I wanted to go out and check it out. And I didn't have very high expectations for this film. But, you know, I had to 
leave myself open to the possibility that they could do a good job with Freddy. Though, um, that was one of the times where I'd actually seen some of the things behind the scenes for Nightmare on Elm Street, and I'd seen the trailer, um, and I'd seen the Freddy design, and I was not pleased with how that was looking even before the film came out. Um, so I, I would say I was not very excited for it, but I, I was hesitant to completely write it off. And I don't think this is your first time seeing it completely, right? You, you never saw it back then. Correct. So you are new to the game here and well, like with the last film, I was smart. (laughs) You avoided them at all costs. I'm not giving Michael Bay my money. Well, I'm not going to go see a remake that he's producing. And you still haven't given him your money. You you (laughs) mooched off of it and got to see it at my house. And we we didn't have to give him a dime. So there's that. You did. Yeah. There's that. You did. I I, I, I didn't. Yeah, I saw it in theaters, so. I'll give him money for the rock and that's it. We can part ways after that. Yeah, so I mean, I think with Nightmare on Elm Street... This remake, um, there were, I mean, there were two camps in that any, some people are just Freddy fanatics, so they'll accept whatever movie comes out that Freddy's in. And I can kind of see that. I mean, I guess I I could see that if it's Robert Englund. I feel like that's, it has to be a minority. If you're a Freddy fanatic, then you love Freddy for what he, it's like with Jason. Mm Mm-hmm. You love, like, by that point, if you're somebody who loves the character, like, that much, then you also, with all its flaws, love the lore of those stories and, like, of that, you know, that universe. Mm. So, even if you love it, I guarantee most people are going into this, if you really love it, you're going to go in very skeptical and not thinking the best of things. Yeah, and I think part of that was just the release of Jackie Earl Haley's look as Freddy as well, because it didn't really, it didn't scream Freddy so much as it screamed burned victim who has a gravelly voice because his vocal cords were singed or something like that. Because he's trying to be Jigsaw. Yeah. Instead of Jig, everyone's favorite cancer patient with a noble vendetta. This is a, a burn victim. Pe- a burn pedo. Burn victim with a ignoble... Vendetta, I guess. Um, Look at you with your words. Yeah, I see. the The thing is that part of the the huge issues that I had with um, a Nightmare on Elm Street remake back then was Freddy himself. But even after seeing the film the first time, and especially again now, um, the, I I have more qualms with the film than just simply Freddy looks weird in this one. Even like when the film was announced, and like I. I didn't really care. Like, like I didn't think Freddy looked good. The same, like I said, like it's like whether he looked awesome or not, it wasn't going to be like wasn't going to be a good film. It may look nice and well shot, and like you know, there's production behind it. Yeah, yeah. But like with the last film, it it's a trap. It's like, hey, it looks like a modern horror film. It, it is a modern horror film in all the wrong ways. With you know. And in a lot of ways, it's very similar to Friday the 13th, 2009, in the way that it does pretty much everything um, from the production values, which I will agree are very good on. Um, You know, Michael Bay may do things 
Uh, not as well as one might hope, but you can't say that he doesn't put a lot of uh, money into the production values behind the film. Which, to be um, to be fair, is something like with a film like this, I don't want. I don't want it to be like great looking and like it's, very uh, almost. It's it's like sterilized. Yes, yeah, so like, exa- like exactly. Like to- like it's totally neutered and sterilized. Like yeah. Like um, I don't know if you feel this way, but like like some like the more like modern anime. Like, just, like, how, like, things are, like, animated now and how pristine colors. Yeah, like, yeah. when I'm watching, like, a Gundam, like, I don't, like, especially one that's, like, set in, like, the like the original timeline. I don't want it to be, like, wow, look how beautiful this is. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, like, like uh, you know. No, I agree. I mean, I, some of the, like, I'd the, actually like it to look a little bit crappier. Well, some of the best parts of the original Nightmare on Elm Street is the fact that it does look so dingy and dirty and kind of, you know... It, and I will say, too, that it doesn't look specifically like a set, like it was mm-hmm. built as a set, but it doesn't, you know, it's it's intentionally made to be sort of gritty looking, especially like the boiler room scenes and any any scenes where you're in Freddy's lair um, are intentionally gr- grungy. And uh, I think we'll talk about it a little bit later in the episode, but in this film, a lot of that's kind of sanitized and toned down where that it looks, where it looks like, um, a backdrop or, you know, it, it, here's a green screen, you know, pretend to act. Yeah. It's not even like it's like you've entered into like, um, universal's sets and it's like, uh, they built it or anything like that. It's more like somebody designed it in the computer and was like, this will look good. (laughs) This will, you know, it, it, it'll look, it'll look good behind them, but it won't really seem like they're actually in that atmosphere. Perfect, perfect example would be like Star Wars. The original Star Wars compared to like the prequels, right? Everything on like the prequels is done behind, on like a blue screen. And it's like, oh yeah, sure. Like what a vibrant city Coruscant is in the planet with like all the lights and buildings and traffic. But it's like, it's very, you know, feels very neutered. Yeah. Very, very sterile. Cause it's all computer generated. doesn't immerse you into the to the world that you're watching. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one of the biggest issues that we'll talk about later. Um, is that there is that sterilization of the film and, and it doesn't really feel like you're in a real horror landscape, but something manufactured by good production values and, and expensive computer equipment. I mean, assembly line film. This is, yeah, I would agree. Um, all right, so let's take a break from that. We won't talk too much about the uh, the film just yet. I want to go into our beer talk because, um, like last week, we we uh, featured um, two different beers on there. Um, I, we got two different beers today. Uh, both of us are drinking two different harpoons, so I just wanted to kind of quickly go into those. I think we've had one of them on the show previously, but the, I know we haven't had this one that uh, Martin's drinking, so I kind of wanted to go into that. Um, and- past tense, drunk. Yeah, dr- drunk it. It's gone. <laughs> uh, uh, I wanted to go into that a little bit. Talk about the uh, the beers that we've got. So uh, why don't you start with? Because I want I want to start while it's fresh. You still got it on your taste buds. You can you can give us the rundown of of what that tastes like. So you know, take it away. So I have their House Golden, which is a golden ale. At Harpoon House Golden. Um, they describe it on their bottle as a nice, crisp, light-bodied ale. And it's only at four and a half uh, alcohol. So it's meant to be like a lighter fall beer. 
Yeah, sessionable. Which it is, because it's gone already. It didn't take, it's, me too, take me too long to get through. I think what they're trying to do with that is, um, and we've kind of seen that a, a, a more and more lately, is uh, companies are coming out with like their, their classic, you know, the, the classic starting beer. Uh, what, you know, would might be an original recipe for the company. I mean, Harpoon, as we're talking, is not really that old. So classic in the sense that for craft beer they are. Yeah, and I'm thinking like if we're talking about like the um Saranac House Lager that they recently released, which is a lot older, um it seems like it's in that realm where a lot of these breweries are kind of releasing their classic lager style. Um which is a damn shame too that you can't get that house lager in a 12 pack. Yeah, only six pack. And yeah, I can only find it at like one place. So what do you think about this gold nail though? Um, uh, it's all right. It's very middling. Oh, you think so? I, I'm not, it's not like, I, I don't find it to be bad. It's got a nice light malt brightiness to it. It's like got a nice little sweetness to it too. Um... Other than that, it's like not really much you know to talk about because it's, it's such a sessionable beer. It's not it's not watery in any way. It does taste like a golden ale, like meaning right. you know like a like a lighter bodied ale. Though it still has like it does have a hop hoppiness to it, and it's got a nice mix of them. But it just overall, I mean, I haven't really had that many golden ales because it's not really a popular style. Mm-hmm. I would say it's good, you know, a nice session beer around the fire type of thing. But I mean. It would never go out of my way to like get it again. Yeah, I I actually liked it quite a bit, especially as something different in a fall pack. I thought it was a nice change of pace from like some of their maltier beers, which um we'll talk about. I have the uh, the Harpoon Flannel Friday, which is a lot maltier and also hoppier than um some of the other beers in the pack. And I like that the Golden Ale is a little change up because you've got an IPA in there, you've got the Flannel Friday, you've got the Oktoberfest, and you've got a nice Golden Ale to kind of round things out. Um, I like that it's kind of a throwback, and I thought it was pretty tasty, and I think that this is a good beer for any um, of those beer drinkers that really are trying to get into craft beers, but they're really not well-versed in them, like a good starting point. Yeah, I would say that like a Golden Ale... Would be like a nice, you know, jumping point. Like, hey, if you like, you know, like a Pilsner and you're kind of scared to go like to a pale ale or an IPA, why not try this? Or, or like the other side would be like an amber ale, you mm-hmm. know, would be like, hey, like, you know, I know you like, you know, your beer and you're afraid of hopping, poppy beers, but how would you try an amber ale? It's, you know, like more of a, a more of a multier style, but, you know, and you get more of a, flavor profile but it's not going to be like oh wow like you know it's not going to kill you with hops right like, i wouldn't tell someone who's like trying to get into craft beer and different beer styles like hey try an imperial stout yeah that's like that's like way too far on start like, that's out like, on the or like hey try this ipa you know it'd be like yeah you gotta get work you know we jump your off the cliff it. right away um because it, it's like you know i think i think a lot of people kind of forget too is like nobody Really drinks a beer for their first time and goes, "Wow, that's that's fantastic." That's true. It's not really a a taste that you just kind of. It's like smoking a cigarette for the first time. You don't go, "Wow, I'm missing out on this." Why does anybody do that? And then after a while, you're like, "I guess I'll try it again." And then 
you start to enjoy it. Yeah. I guess I don't know about cigarettes for for uh, you know to say that, but well, I can but tell beer, you beer for sure. I can tell you nobody enjoys their first cigarette. I didn't enjoy my first cigar. Well, it's the same damn principle. Yeah. Um, I have Harpoon's Flannel Friday, as I said, and uh, I think we've had this on the show before, but I just wanted to kind of touch upon it again um, since, we, since I had it, and I might as well talk about it. Um, it's an amber ale, and it is, to me, a nice, um, different type of fall beer that sits in between, like, an Oktoberfest in, um, like, something like a pale ale or, an, um, like, a brown ale, even. Um because it has the hoppy presence to it, and it's also got a, a nice maltiness to it. So I think it's pretty refreshing, and I think that if you're kind of sick of uh, swapping back and forth between Oktoberfest or something like that, um, this is a good fall beer to have in um, in addition to an Oktoberfest or a Marsden style. So I like it quite a bit. Um, I think before, like last year, I had had it, and I wasn't. I mean, I thought it was okay, but I didn't really. I wasn't blown away by it. But this year, I, I'm liking it quite a bit more. Um, I've had all three of them in the pack now, and I would say that it is probably one of my favorite, uh, like fall beers to drink besides Oktoberfest. I, I think it's very, uh, very good, and I like the maltiness that's paired with the hoppiness um, to make it somewhat different from you know what you get with an Oktoberfest. So. Very tasty. Yeah, and amber ale is not really that popular of a style around here either. Um, it the isn't. Only, the only one I know that does one year round is Adirondack because they're bare naked ales and amber ale. Yeah, because I think in some ways with the amber ales, you there's a fine line again between like a brown ale, an amber ale, and a red ale. You know, in in those in those ways, you know, obviously they're kind of combining those those different tendencies and brown ales tend more towards like nutty flavors and red ales tend a little bit more towards like malty and a little bit hoppy. And I would say even, I would say less hoppier, less hoppy than this amber ale for sure. Um, but the, the styles are similar. I would, I would compare this, this, uh, flannel Friday, uh, that is kind of similar to that Boston brick red that I had at the, uh, biggie that I talked about on the show a couple weeks ago. Um, and that it's, it was, malty but still like had a hop uh flavor to it that was at the front of the beer so um they're kind of similar in that sense um so check it out i mean we i think we've covered pretty much everything on the harpoon fall pack at this point because we did the Oktoberfest last time and um the golden ale on this show and we've already done their ipa before uh, which is also you know a standard part of their fall pack so uh check out the harpoon fall pack if you uh haven't seen it and try to grab that because it does have some some good beers in it for fall and i am gonna go out on a limb here and say that the last of those packs are probably in stores and i'm thinking winter is either out or very very close to hitting the shelves i haven't seen any winters but i haven't really been looking either so it's it's possible that they're out now because uh, i know that i pray to god they're not I mean, the fall ones are definitely the shortest season. And I don't understand why. Why? I think just because, especially with, you know, climate change, (laughs) I should say, um, we are experiencing a lot longer summer weather. And then we kind of just jump right in to winter winter weather. (laughs) So, um, yeah, but still, I I think it has more to do with the Christmas vacation of taking over fucking... 
every fucking month now. And the unwillingness like, to give up, like, on the summer. That, too. I saw a Price Chopper. They still had spring beers. They had, like, a... Yeah, they had, I saw that, too. They had Saranax spring I think they're just pack. trying to get rid of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, but, like, if I was the vet, if I worked for the vendor, I'd be like, this, I'm taking this. I know. I'm taking this back. Obviously. I'll take it home. <laughs> but, no, like... It, like, it pisses me off, because I told you the other day, I saw at Walmart, they have sh- the champagne bottle stands up for Heineken Heineken Christmas, because they sell it for Christmas time, Heineken is a champagne bottle. And it's like, enjoy the holidays responsibly. It's like, fuck you! I'll have to go, I'm gonna get that, not not uh, now, after Halloween, but I will get it in I'm, a champagne bottle. I mean, I would too, just kind of like, like, ooh, you know. <laughs> I don't like champagne, so I, I would prefer to drink a Heineken. Are you going to pop the top, like, very dramatically? Yeah, we can do it. Shoot it off. We'll do it at your Christmas party. I'll be Yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. That'd be fun. But, no, that, like, I, that, I saw that, and that pissed me off, because it's just like, no. Mm-hmm. No, we're, we, ha- we haven't even got to fucking Halloween. You're already, like, it's like, it doesn't even exist. Why not after the 4th of July just have fucking be, Chris- be Christmas mm-hmm. till then? You know what, though? Uh, the Heineken champagne bottle would probably be good for, like, bringing to Thanksgiving. I'd do that. No, because it's... Carry it around with me. People would be like, oh, you brought Heineken. No, no this is my Heineken <laughs> champagne bottle. I, I, would br- bring, I, I, mean, I didn't bring any more for anybody else. I mean, if I like the... T- if Heineken and the ke- mini keg didn't taste like dog shit because of the aluminum... I running. like the Heineken and the mini keg. I don't know why. I just I mean, like the fact that I have a keg. No, see, can... that, no see, that's what I was going to go after. If it didn't taste like dog shit because Heineken and, and cans and the keg taste awful because it tastes like the aluminum's like running off into it, I would carry that keg around back like, Merry Christmas and be like... Like, like, oh, you're going to pour me? No, I'm pouring myself a cup. Yeah, you know, like, this, is, this is for me. Like, I'd have it, like, strapped on my back. Oh, that'd be a great idea. Have, like, a Heineken mini keg and a Newcastle one. Like, have, like... <laughs> you're like, what just, am I feeling like now? Just hooked up to your back. And you'd be like, you know, I'm feeling a little Newcastle brown right now. That is that is interesting. I've never had the Newcastle in the keg. I imagine so that be, might taste better. I haven't had Newcastle uh, since, You know like, what? Newcastle always turns me off because a lot of times their beer gets really skunky fast. Because it comes like, in a clear bottle. It comes in a clear bottle. Even even like when I go to buy it in stores, it's already skunky. When I get it home, like when I go yeah. to crack one open, That's it's why I skunky. haven't had one in like eight years. When yeah. we, like the last time, like the first time, I, like a couple of times I had it, it was really good. Then like a couple of times in a row. Because it used to be like a beer, like, like when I was feeling fancy, I'd get Because like... Like, oh, Newcastle Brown, this is really good. And and then after, like, a couple of bad times with it, because, like, like, oh, it tastes fucking skunked as shit. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, this costs way too much to be gambling. We'll have to try a Newcastle mini keg. Oh, and that's the other thing. I haven't seen the Newcastle Werewolf out this year, have you? Nope. Maybe they don't do it anymore. I mean, I've always tried to grab it when it's out just because, you know, the, you know, the, the <laughs> holiday spirit and everything. But... I haven't seen it. Nothing. It's interesting, really. And I, I can't say that I've, I've like actually seen a lot of Newcastle in general anymore. I just see the brown. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. maybe the cabbie gold. Yeah. But. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to A Nightmare on Elm Street because we do have some stuff to talk about. Um, perhaps not good stuff to talk about, uh, but stuff all the same. All right, so as you remember from our previous episode when we covered the Friday the 13th remake, um, we – well, Martin was really not fond of that film. He thought it was 
not only, I mean, I think he thought it was a little boring, but he also found it to just be overwrought and terribly acted and poor script and all that. Um, I guess we'll start out with that. How do you think that a year later after the 2009 Friday the 13th, how did they change things up for A Nightmare on Elm Street? Obviously, besides, you know, different directors and stuff like that. Well, Ryan, they did nothing! <laughs> they didn't change it up They didn't do well. a fucking thing! Not a goddamn thing different. They literally took the same template and they just moved it on over. Again, this it's literally assembly line filmmaking. And it's like, fine, I think that what we see that's very similar to Friday the 13th is that you have a script that um, definitely is attempting to play off of a lot of the different things in the series um, for the Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's kind of trying to be an homage rather than just a straight up remake. Um, obviously, this... Like the Friday the 13th. Though I will say one thing this film does better than... Remake of Friday the Thirteenth. I think the homages are much better in this film than they are in the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Yeah, I think they get away with that because um, they are able to. They're kind of copying some of the ideas from the original uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, um, whereas Friday the Thirteenth was really kind of just taking teenagers in the woods and then throwing them into a new storyline. So there wasn't a lot there. I mean, they could copy some of the kills and stuff like that, but. Um, there was, it wasn't easy to kind of emulate the same things that happened in the originals. And they did take some from, uh, Well, they could have. I just they think. Could, they could have, I yeah. think they were just more like, it's two thousand, almost 2010, man. We yeah. can't have kids going to it. Who goes to summer camps? Right. Nah, these kids are going to look for a magical weed field. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 does do a better job of, of, uh, capturing some of those homages. Um, you have like the blood geyser scene that occurs in the original that is a little bit different in this one. Um, perhaps, and I would say not, not as effective as the original, despite having many, many more years of special effects, uh, practice under, you know, our, our belts at this point. Sometimes you just can't be, as we've said a billion times on this podcast, you can't beat practical effects. That's right. Um, a CG high blood storm is not gonna, not gonna look good. That's right. The other thing that I like that I, and I couldn't remember it before I started, you know, before we got into this movie a little bit more is I like the you whole, are hiccuping like a I fucking, know. no, I had a, I had a bird like there. a Tex Avery, like drunk cartoon. Are you going to have to see like pink elephants? Yeah. <laughs> No. Jesus. Um, I like- Sorry, it's like, it is kind of like distracting the way it's like constantly. <laughs> Got a little hiccups there. You know, in between. I, I do like the return of the body bag in the high school, um, which in the original happens a lot earlier than it does in this film. Um, and I now, think. What, what body bags are clear? Well, it's, I guess you could say it's more like a trash bag. I don't know. A Ziploc bag. Yeah, it's, it's, he, she, she's in a human Ziploc bag. It's like, like what the, the. It's like the the bags that you would put like your sleeping bags in, or something like that. You know, like to, like, to make yeah. them make sure that they are out of the elements. I mean, that'd be pretty in poor taste to have a body bag that's see through. Like, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, sorry, these are, these are the only ones we have. Oh yeah, no, 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 avert your eyes. Particularly don't, gruesome. Don't, 
murder, but uh, <laughs> this is all we've got right now. Oh, oh. Mom and dad are not happy. <laughs> no, I no, but I think I think there's some li- obviously liberties there, but I think that for uh, this film, if we're talking about some of the good things that Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 does. That part of it of like copying pretty much straight from Wes Craven's film, it works pretty well. I think they did a good job with that um, and managed to capture like the suspense of that original. Though I don't, again, I don't think it's as good. I will say that the original had the suspenseful moment of just like the audience really not knowing what's happening at that point, and so because it happened so early on in the film. So Nancy is kind of like in and out of a sleep uh, deprivation mode and experiences this in the high school. Whereas in this film, um, that we've already gone through a lot of moments where our characters are in and out of sleep. So it's not as effective because we've already seen them experience these types of things where they go into what they call like um, – it's like a power nap, basically, like a nano nap where they they are passing out for a couple seconds and they, they jolt into dream world and then they pop back out because they've woken up. And uh, I just don't think it's as effective at, at this point because we've seen it so many times when it occurs in the remake, it's almost more of the same. So it's not as scary as what we see in Craven's uh, film. However, I do like that homage. Uh, even like when you get, even though I, again, it's not as good. I got to, pre- I guess I got to preface like every single, um, homage explanation by it's not as good, but there is that scene too, where, um, Chris is thrown about the room, you know, smashed all over the place, bounced off the ceiling, bounced off the walls. That's straight out. Human of- pinball. Ping, That's right. Ping, ping. That's straight out of new nightmare, but in new nightmare, I think it looks better. Because it's not as like almost it's almost like in this film they put her in some gravity chamber that was like really weird and just she bounced all over the place. Whereas in the original it was shot in in New Nightmare it was shot like very specifically to look authentically like she was being dragged all over the room and stuff like that. So I, I think it worked a lot better again in the original. And I guess that gets to the conundrum of a remake in 2010 because obviously you want to spice things up a little bit. You don't want to do the same things that the original films did. But, and so that kind of entails that you've got to get a little bit more creative. You've got to use more violence, obviously. Um, and perhaps you've got to use CGI. I don't think that's necessarily, you know, it's not forced on directors, but I think that there is a, um what the use of cgi i mean i think that I, I would imagine it is you think it's forced on directors that it's like expected you know please use cgi rather than practical effects yeah it's probably it probably is cheaper in the long run just pay some guy to spend seven hours on makeup or i'm sure there's a pay a computer programmer for a couple hours of uh it has to be if it wasn't cheaper and more practical and easier to get done they wouldn't do it that's true i guess i agree I just think that because I think at this point, like who who is literally saying like, well, 
yeah, that looks so much better than you know. Yeah, you know, nobody. No, I agree. I, 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 w- I mean, I not okay, not nobody. I'm sure there's people out there. Like, that really does look better. It's I like, mean, I can honestly understand as I was trying to get to that sometimes it is needed. CGI is needed. Like it's it. Well, because it lets you do things that you wouldn't be, you know, that would be possibly impossible. Yeah, I, I mean, my if I was like a director or you know someone behind like like making a film. My approach would be if you can't do it if you can't do it practically, then don't do it unless it's like a really like, like this is a something that has to be done. Like it's such a goddamn good idea. Yeah. Then fuck it, we'll do it CGI. Yeah, I mean we're we're kind of getting into the problems of uh this film, but I, I and I don't mind because we can we can, it definitely this ties up pretty much one of the biggest issues that I have with the Nightmare on Elm Street 2010 remake. Is that there's just so much liberal use of CGI in the film. Throughout the entire film, it's a very big part of it. Even though you have some of those practical effects like Jackie Earl Haley's makeup. Um, Which is not good. Right. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I, I just think that the liberal sprinkling of CGI throughout the entire film takes away a lot of the suspense that you would get if you had more practical effects. And that... It's because it's not necessary that makes it so egregious. Like, these are not... It's not like we're seeing anything in this film that should... That makes audiences think, like, wow, they would never have been able to achieve that without computer effects. Because a lot of the things were done in previous films, as we've said before. Like, the blood geyser. Like, the dragging of, you know, of the body across the room getting thrown about. Yeah, I mean, and it's not. It's not only like like in that thing. That's not only a from a nightmare. Those are that's from a bunch of horror films, like yeah, The Exorcist, yeah. and you know. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's like, really? Yeah. Come, like really? Come on. One of the other things that really stands out is the early scene where Freddy is um, coming through the wall. You know his um, his outline is kind of pushing through the wall. And in the original Nightmare, that was all done practically. It was done very specifically to create a, a very surreal effect. And this film, it's clearly CGI, and it looks really bad. It looks like probably one of the worst effects that occurs in this film, besides maybe like some of the fire scenes, because the fire scenes are pretty terribly CGI-ridden as well. But it, it just stands out that... Those scenes that were that were such a big part of some of the other films in the franchise have now been corrupted into some sort of weird CGI effect that fans of this, the franchise will obviously see as something that doesn't work as well as the original films. So at, in that point, you have to wonder, like, what was the purpose of the remake besides doing it worse than what we had seen previously? To make money. Yeah. No, that's a that's a big <laughs> motivator, I guess. But that's your answer. What's, I, a, what's a dead franchise that people have a lot of nostalgia for that we could easily make a shit ton of money off of? I know. Right, Friday the Thirteenth and a new <sighs> and Nightmare because Halloween came out just a couple years before that. See, I think, and that, even that piece of crap made a shit ton of money. So, see, I think that. Even if if we're talking, like, we'll talk about some of the other flaws in just a minute, but I think if we were to get, to just overlook all those, and you just got rid of the CGI, I feel like a lot of people would have been a lot more open to this film, 
because it would have been an, it, sort of an homage to the originals. I mean, it, I, I, I see. I disagree because I think I think the big the big mistake of this film is not having Robert England in it as Freddy. Ah, uh, okay. So let's talk about that. Um, it's a good, I, it's a good intro into like how Freddy is in this film in general. Um, so you think Robert England would have buoyed this film himself? Even it would even, even if, with CGI, even and with even some it of the being as crappy of a film as it is, I think he would have lent enough to this film. To make it stand out and be like, okay, yeah. So, because, because unlike Michael Myers, unlike Jason and, you know, Ghostface and a lot of other well-known slasher killers, they don't have actors behind them that you latch on to. Yeah, I I mean... Unless you're really, like, into, like, again, right. like, Friday the 13th, and, like, you'll be able to yeah. pick out your favorite Jason. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, yeah. But those... But, like... But those yeah, actors yeah. aren't well-known. Right, we're, like, we're talking about, like, Ghostface from Screen. Yeah, which is... And he's co- always different, so Which, but that makes sense in the context, but I'm saying, like, Ghostface himself is, you know, and how he acts is a staple of the franchise. So even though you have different actors, they're doing the same things... That you expect from Ghostface. Michael Myers and Jason, all you need is somebody to be lumbering around to make kills. They're not, the killers themselves are iconic, but not, they're not, they don't have to be portrayed in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Freddy does. Freddy is a vocal serial killer. Mm-hmm. He has a certain style, certain wit, a certain panache to him. And that's all from Robert England. Mm hmm. Because he's the only person who's played him throughout all the first seven films. Yeah, which isn't even true of some of most of the other slasher. Yeah, films again, so franchises. I don't. It's in like he he was in Friday versus Jason, right? Which is only eight years before this. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't he be good enough to do it now? I understand the fact that they're rebooting it, so they maybe like you know like want something different. But if you really want to hedge your bets. To make sure that people are going to come and see this fucking movie, you bring them in. So I'm curious about that because I would argue that the script for Freddy in this film is just not very good in general anyway. Well, they they intentionally, from what I read, they intentionally made him not a wisecracking guy because they want, they want him to be different. I don't agree with that, though, because he that, is wisecracking in this film. He, but he does it with, like, a very serious tone. It's so like, serious. And, it, it only, it only, and to be honest, it only comes into, like, the end. Like, like when he's, like, showing that, like, has his face off with Nancy. He's having, like, a few wisecracks. But he, it's acted and, in, in, you know, portrayed yeah. in such a way that you can, you know they're supposed to be wisecracks. But you're not going to be like, ha ha, that's a funny, you know, that's a witty line because... yeah. He's not delivering it with wit. He's. I have. And to... I'm not. And I'm not blaming. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, I'm not blaming him. Yeah. Uh, I think that's more just the direction how they wanted the I, they wanted Freddy in this to be portrayed. I agree. I think that the script for Freddy isn't very good, and I I know I like I see what you're saying that it doesn't really get jokey until the till the conclusion. And that uh, some of the others are like they're kind of sinisterly delivered, not meant to be funny. At the same time, I would have rather them just kind of cut all his lines out 
and not had him try to deliver some like faux sinister line because I think that it comes off too cheesy. Like this, like this, you'll never wake up again, you fucking bitch, or something like that. It's like wow, that's that's like a Michael Bay line. Like yeah. why Freddie wouldn't you know? Yeah, I I just think that there it comes off not, too not, cheesy. Not, not only that would like Freddie not say that, but it's like no one like no one would take that line seriously. Period, because it's yeah. a fucking terrible line. Right. It's it's that it's and I'm not blaming Jack Hero Haley. I think like he does what he does, and he was given the script, and it was like here, read these lines. I I mean, it is what it is for him anyway. But I think that they did a pretty a poor job of characterizing Freddie in this film as what you would expect to see from some of the later films in the nightmare on Elm street series. And that's coming from me as a person who doesn't really, I I don't really enjoy the more comedic and acerbic Freddy that comes out later in the series, like in four or five. I was going to say that too. Like it's not like Freddy was originally wisecracking. No, exactly. But, but, But the same token, where do horror sequels have to go? Only the com- like eventually down the comedic self parody route, right? Like Halloween and like they like they all eventually do, and that's what happened to Freddy. But then that see that ends up to be a blessing though, because that's how New Nightmare, as we've said before on the podcast, why that's such like, a great film because it's like, you know, it turns like you know Wes Craven's like I see what you did with my like you know the little engine that could. Yeah, I mean. I- I'm not. I don't like the comedic tone of some of the later films in the series, but I will say that I think that they did a a good job of at least making it sort of tongue in cheek because they knew what they were doing. They knew that at that point, Freddy was kind of a a comical um, iteration of himself. So it was almost meta commentary at that yeah, point but, too. Whereas, know, but, but the same, like I said, at the same time, twenty years ago, Wes Craven did it with New Nightmare. Yeah, and yeah. he did it a thousand. Uh, well, I mean, right, I no, mean, no, I, I'm, I'm saying in the originals, like in, in like um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street four, five, things like that. You know, well, where they, everything's totally outlandish. Yeah, they they knew what they were doing with that. No, it wasn't I, I, like it wasn't like they set out to make a, a super serious film and they they accidentally well, no. made it corny. It was on purpose. Well, no, no, that's, that's, that's why I'm saying, again, like, yeah. like the later Halloween, like, again, Jason takes Manhattan. Obviously, they knew what they're fucking doing. Yeah, they knew, yeah. like, hey, this would be like a funny little, you know. Yeah, they, they, they knew what they were doing. They were kind of going with it and just hoping that f- fans and viewers would accept it for what it is. And I think, you know, as we've seen, they did for the most part. With this film, there, it, wait, do, it this, doesn't feel like that. It's too straight. Yeah, it's 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 definitely played as in the sort of like, and that's the same. This problem is with, overly serious. That's the same problem with like the Friday Thirteenth remake. It's totally in the Texas Chainsaw one. They're played way too straight. Yeah, like you can do it. Like you can do. Like if this was like a new, like a new horror film, you could play it totally straight because you have nothing. This is an original idea. Mm-hmm. So you're setting the groundwork, and you can play it straight. Problem is, though, if you're going to do it straight, and I have no problem with it being straight. In fact, I like, I like, like again, like why is Halloween the best one? Because it's totally played straight, and it works for you know what it does there. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing like an original idea, you can play it straight. And I think you could almost do that with this film, like a remake. But the problem is, if you're going to do it with a remake, you have to have great casting. Yeah, you have to have every actor. They don't have to be well known. They have to be people who play their parts and do it well. This film does not have that. You have to have a well 
well-written and well-thought-out and well-developed script that has things mapped out, has characters, you know, interact in a way that's not going to be idiotic and laughable. This yeah. film does not fucking have that. This is, like most of these remakes, is a terribly written script. Yeah. And, and to go with that, you also have to have a narrative that's, you know, structurally sound, not plotting, and moves things along at a brisk, not a brisk pace, but at a well-tempoed pace. This film is not that either. Yeah, I don't want to... So, so if you don't play it straight, I mean, if you if, if you play it straight and you don't do all those, like, if, again, you have to, to make something that's a goofy concept work well straight, you have to do everything basically masterfully. And if you don't, then it's going to fail. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I don't. I will get in. I want to get into that in a second, but I want to go back to to Freddy for a second. Um, we kind of talked about his his uh, outlandishness, the 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 problems with his script. Um, what? But what did you think about the new design? I, his makeup's terrible. It just looks like a generic burn victim, and like it, it like I again, like I don't understand, like why just fucking have like what he should look like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes changing, sometimes sticking close, you know, to what worked before, it's not bad. Right. You don't have to constantly innovate. Yeah, I I think that I just, I was a little confused as well because I just think in this film, the way that they decided to portray Freddy's, like, burn uh, face is weird because it kind of shifts the features of his face. Like it almost makes him look not even human at that point, but some, some you know something like that. It makes his eyes very close together. His nose narrow. His, yeah, his nose very narrow. Chin um, sharp. It it uh, and very clearly in some moments of the film, you can tell that when Jackie Earl Haley is speaking in his Freddy getup, he's whatever he's saying is really not matching up with the dialogue because clearly he in that makeup he can't really enunciate the things that he really needs to say so it was all done in post you can you can kind of tell that that's occurring and it it's i found it distracting to be honest with you because i could tell that like what was coming out of his mouth is not how he's saying it i'm well i'm glad i didn't notice that because that would have fucking totally bothered that ever loving hell out of me and you know that that happens in films they do a lot of things in post um, especially like voiceover work and stuff, but it, I just felt like it didn't work for this film because it seemed like the makeup was such an impediment to what he would be, how he would say things that you could just tell that it wasn't really matching up. I don't know. And, and maybe that was part of my, maybe it's my imagination. I don't know, but it really did not seem like they would match up. It seemed like it had to have been done in post in order to really let, Jackie Earl Haley enunciate what he had to say, but he even, he even so he doesn't really enunciate because, like I said, we said before, he like it's literally like his direction to portray him was like just, just talk like Jigsaw, do do Tobin Bell, can you do a Tobin Bell? Because mm-hmm. the way he talks throughout this film is literally like they're like people like Saw, Saw's really popular still. People still like you know yeah. have thoughts about that and Jigsaw and. Tobin Bell's very popular. Talk like Tobin Bell, you know. Have a whisper to you, you know. You whis you whisper and kind of mumble and like, I'm gonna kill you now. Hello there. Yeah. There's a. I have a 
I have a game to play with you. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's literally like what he's like. It is like a jigsaw. So it's like rendition. I, I expect like you know like halfway through like a nightmare that like Nancy's going to like, hello Nancy, I'd like to play a game with you. You haven't valued your life enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even like some of the sets too kind of resemble like a saw setup. Yeah, like the fucking his boiler room. You know, looks like a like one of the factories. Yeah, that, that could have been fr- in like, saw. Probably, probably have told him about like, hey, keep it down. <laughs> yeah, Tobin Bell's in the other room. He's like, like I got a game to play. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to record my tape here. I know. I have Donnie Wahlberg locked up. <laughs> Could you keep it down? <laughs> no, I, I mean, all right. So it's definitely, <laughs> you know, is a problem. Freddy's whole persona is a problem in this film. Do you find Freddy in this to be more offensive than like Jason? Um, in terms of like how he looks and how they portrayed portrayed. them. Cause I know too, you were, cause you weren't a fan of Jason and the remake. And I said, that was actually one of the highlights. Cause I liked that they made him like to Bo Jackson, Jason of running, sprinting and, you know, throwing axes 50 yards. Yeah. Actually, I would say that the Freddy in this bothers me more than the Jason, because at least it, you that while they took liberties with Jason in Friday the 13th, that he could run and that he was a little bit more of an active presence. Um, he was still basically the Jason character still had, you know, like a coat and his jeans and like very much like a woodsman type with the hockey mask. And that's really all you need. It's very easy for them to emulate Jason. And that goes back to my point about how having Robert England in the role would be, because again, you don't like, you don't need much for Jason. You only have to hit a certain beat. Tall, hulking outfit. Yeah. There you go. And yeah, and for, and for Freddy, you do need a lot you need, more. You need you need Robert Englund's facial structure. You need some of his, his the ability. And he was and he was fine with not being cat. In fact, like he was very supportive of the remake. I yeah, he which, was until he saw it, and then he has been pretty vocal about it being oh, terrible. Yes? Yeah, oh. yeah. Well. I'll give him props for being like, hey, you know, it's great, you know. I don't know if that was just maybe him being like, probably. I'm sure it was probably, probably him, him just... being being nice. Being like, yeah, no, they're going to do a remake. Yeah, that's fine. That's, you know, great, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I hope the best. And, and well, just she... just be like, jo- Robert, just be like John Carpenter. Just be salty about the entire just, way yeah, through. Just, just yeah. be like, fucking miserable. Always miserable. Be yeah. gr- we well, need that. I kind of, I can kind of see where the creators of this were coming from. They wanted this to stand on its own rather than be a part of the original series. They didn't, you know, so they didn't want to reuse Robert Englund. They kind of want to come from their own angle. But why not, like, have, like, a cameo? Why not have, like, John Saxon? Like, again, like, what's the, what's the harm of having John Saxon cameoing? Or ha- Heather Langenkamp. Yeah. Who doesn't show up at all. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, agree. that'd be great for us. We, we'd b- both be like, John Saxon, you know? Right. like Yeah, I agree. There's no harm in, you know, pulling an Evil Dead and having... That's like one of the highlights of, like, the Ghostbusters remake that everyone shits on. The fact that, like, Bill Murray's here and he doesn't care, but Dan Aykroyd's cameo is pretty funny and so is, you know... I really think that, like, having Heather Langenkamp in here would then pull things even more together because then you would have... The throwback to the original Nightmare, but then you would also, you could have her as herself, like from New Nightmare. So it would be, a, again, like another reference to like a meta, metacritical like meta, yeah, yeah. area that I think would make things even more. But that's another point. I mean, that's just something that we thought that would be a good idea, but they didn't cover. But 
let's talk about what they did do that we still we didn't like very <laughs> very much. Um, one thing that really bothered me when I saw this film in theaters was the fact that it spends like almost and this is kind of similar to Friday the Thirteenth. It spends almost like forty minutes on Chris as what we consider to be the main character. Because we follow her for the most part. I think in in this, though, it's more telegraphed that, you know, she's not going to be... Sure. It definitely is because you have that initial encounter between Chris and Nancy. In the diner. Yeah. Yeah, That makes it... I I do get that. But the thing that bothered me was that we spent so much time with Chris as a person, as a central figure. And then she gets killed. It's those boobies. Right. I mean, for sure. I... (laughs) I mean, I definitely understand why they wanted Katie Cassidy in there. Uh, this was a big time for her as well because she was in Harper's Island, which was like a s- slasher TV show. So it makes sense. But I, it bothered me because we spend so much time with Chris. We get to know her. We get to know her character. She's killed off, which is fine because you have that sort of thing. Scream did it very well with Drew Barrymore. It was a very obvious... That's that's different. It though. is different. That's because, what I'm saying. I say, I say because that's smart. Because they they hit that well. They build leading up into that Drew Barrymore as the star, right? And then she's killed off in the beginning. It, I mean, it was a great idea, and that and it's great because Drew Barrymore is a well known actress. Katie Cassidy is not. Yeah. It, so that that twist doesn't work as well. I don't even think it's so much a twist in, because it bothers me that they don't spend really any time with Nancy besides showing how like kind of off-putting she is and she's not very popular and obviously she you know she she's part of the story but she doesn't really get much screen time until about 40 minutes into the film and by that point you're like okay so why do I care about Nancy that much? She's she's not really a main figure, whereas in the original film, Nancy is a huge part of the film for more than one reason. She's a perfect final girl character because she's very shy and skittish and anxiety ridden and virginal. Yeah, right. Exactly. In this case, I just don't think that going forty minutes with Chris and then swapping off with with Nancy. Is a is a good thing for the storyline. You could have just spent more time with Nancy from the get go, and then exactly, and then kind of like drop in on Chris and right because you like they were doing throughout the entire thing with like the rest of the friend friend group. You know, it's, being... it's the same idea with the original film with Tina because Tina is basically Chris. You know, they're this they they correlate, but they're just they just don't have the same names. But the best friend character, right? Exactly. It, and that's what they do in the original is that they start out – I mean, Nancy and Tina, they're kind of together, but it's really Nancy who's the focal point, And that makes sense because we're following Nancy, but we also see Tina when she's in her dream states. Mm. And we see the kills because it's a horror film and we need to see from other perspectives in order to, to get all of those kills in. Um, but it makes sense in that film. In this one, it really doesn't make sense to have Chris for 40 minutes and then s- switch over to Nancy. It, it's just, it's almost like a video game where it's like, well, that character died, so we're moving on. So you can be this one now. You know, it's... Hit down the deep end and you go from Michael to Trevor. And they actually, <laughs> in this one, they actually change things up a little bit where um, it's... Nancy isn't even really... A huge focus. She's she is Freddie's like obsession. Maybe, yeah. But 
it's with it's with her and with her her boyfriend really that is the main Quentin. Fan. Right. What a what a late two thousands guy named being like and we've ragged on like throughout like the podcast. Like names given to characters nineties like, and two yeah. thousands like, names. But yeah, like this one like Quentin. Quentin, the douche well, he's not the he oh no, he is a douche nozzle. All the guys in this are douche nozzles. I mean Quentin's not the biggest douche nozzle, but he's still a douche nozzle and then Je- Jesse's the biggest douche nozzle. It's like, what? Like, why, Chris? Why are you fucking him? Why? True. You know, like, why are you with him? Well, she wasn't. She she was actually not fucking him because they were they were broken up. They were separated. So she she kind of figured out like, oh, he's really douchey. I know, but even still, like, there weren't signs of like him, like you know, being like, look, I know our friend died. You being a fucking bitch, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, like, like she's been through a lot right now. So if you can just like not and fucking fuck off. yeah, yeah, no, just. Oh, and I think th- I think this film more than like a lot of other films that have like kids in high school played by adults. This is like one of the biggest offenders. Yeah, none of these kids look like they're kids. They all look like they're almost thirty. Yeah, I mean, with like. Especially with Katie Cassie. I mean, I'm not saying that she doesn't look good. She looks good, but she just doesn't look like 17. She it looks like more so like um they're having like a congratulations on graduating college. Uh going, know. you know, um you're going she, you're going, where are you getting your masters at? Wow, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she she it definitely feels more like we're watching post-grad students yeah, yeah. uh sort of like even like when you're comparing it to things like I know what you did last summer, and that that's what like a big offender too, it but, is, yeah. but not as much as this. Right, though. Like, exactly. Like, Which I know what you did last summer, by the way, turned twenty yesterday. God, where are our lives? Going? <laughs> but like, no, like, like Kyle uh, Gallner as uh, Quentin, like he like is trying to get his like Adderall filled, and he's like the this. Pharmacy that's apparently open twenty four seven because it's gotta be like nine ten at night. Yep, they're still open. We're still filling your scripts, people. We'll wake your doctors to fill your scripts for nothing. They're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, so you could bother them in the middle of the night to have your pills. He's like, "Come on, man! I've been on these since I was like 15. It's like, aren't you supposed to be seventeen? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's so like, so like two years. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> oh, so you've been on them for oh, so long. Oh, you mean like you're actually forty, and you're like, I've been on it for like fucking two thirds of my life, man. Come on, yeah, film, yeah. film pills. It's just like, you do, you do have some. We do get some um, popular character actors, though. Clancy Brown's in this. Clancy yeah. Brown sporting a fantastic sweater as he he looks like murders Ron... and <laughs> he, arsons. He looks like I he looks like Ron Perlman in this. I honestly thought it was Ron Perlman at first until I heard his voice. My guess, yeah, Clancy Brown. Yeah, you can always tell with his voice. It's very sure. distinctive. Yeah, he, he definitely has a, a deep and distinctive voice. So is Ron Perlman. So yeah, you, he does. You, you'd be able to, you know, especially if you played Fallout. You'd be you, like you can spot war. War never changes. I mean, but I mean, like, yeah, no, it's I'm I'm glad he's in here, but he's so has such a minute role. I mean, he led the charge to uh, murder Freddie. Freddie, so. but I mean, 
he doesn't. He's not. I mean, he doesn't have anything to do because he's in the film so little. So it's like, okay. He so, does I mean, play that menacing role pretty well, though, and just like being in every scene and looking very like angry and tense all the time. No, I agree, but like, it's, like at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's good that he's here, but he has nothing to do. So there was, you honestly could have had some, you know, jackass be him, and it wouldn't be a problem. You know, so it's kind of like, why, why are you here, Clancy? I do like though that they made it look like he came. Right from like a school PTA conference <laughs> to, to kill murder him. Freddy, just like like they right, probably uh, did. That's why they are all fucking like carpooled together yeah. down. They all, like, like this... they all were at a PTA conference. And you're like, you know what? We've heard some bad things from our kids about Freddy. And like, all right, grab the grab the pitchforks, the torches, the gasoline tanks, and we'll head on down. I'll, and... I'll, I'll hop in my Lincoln Continental and we'll fucking go down to this factory and burn this motherfucker. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's that's one thing we didn't talk about too. Um, Freddy's backstory. Yeah, Freddy's backstory and the way that they portray him. Um, in this film, young young Freddy before he died kind of looks like low rent Steve Buscemi. Yeah, <laughs> just this, need just needs the gap in his teeth. Um, this film really takes a lot deeper look into what happened with Fred's backstory, and um. It draws more conclusions than the original Nightmare. Well, I think, I mean, again, you kind of have to. It's like, it's like with, like, Texas and mainly Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, well, if you're going to remake it, you know, they're like, they feel obligated to kind of go on more about, like, the backstory. Yeah, but I think... Like, like in Texas, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's not like you get this in-depth, like, Psycho- psychological, and we'll and I'll air quote the in depth, but what they perceive as in depth, like look at like Leatherface's background, like it's like oh they're just a bunch of crazy fuckers, but in the remake it's like this is why they're crazy, you know, and but, here it's like the same thing too. Yeah, but I mean, I I think though that I I like the more nuanced approach to it in the original because. At that one, you you leave the audience up to the conclusion of, well, was Fred wrongfully murdered? Like, is that why he's coming back and and he was murdered for really no reason as an innocent man? Or and then then there's a lot of blame placed on the parents that took that sort of vigilantism to its ultimate um, endpoint. Whereas in this film, it doesn't really leave it up to interpretation uh, as to what actually happened. You you really pretty much get a explanation for what it happened, and so you're. I think you're, mo- I think most people have. I think the reason they do that though is because people have accept just accepted as fact. Freddy Krueger is a pedophile. Yeah, and I think that that came out like I don't I don't, more, I don't think more I don't think people like ex- you know would look at his character and like it if they I think most people if they're fans of the franchise or I think if they watched the original they wouldn't be like oh no maybe he was innocent they'd be like yeah no he you know he was a creep I mean it makes sense with uh all that his character does I mean obviously he wouldn't return and take this huge vendetta on for no reason but you know just be if he was a good person I would assume in the afterlife he would have just let it go. <laughs> you know, uh, well, uh, that, that might be, like I said, that might be an assumption too far. I actually like, I think it would have been a great idea if they, he was actually innocent. 
I do too. I think that would be like 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 and like because like I really think like if they made it more clear cut and like totally not more clear cut, literally clear cut and have him be like an, he was innocent, he wasn't a creep, and they was wrongfully murdered. It'd be great. That's a that's a great reason for somebody to come back with a vengeance, and you know. Yeah, they really fucked up, and he's mad now. I mean, does it make what he's doing right? No, not at all. But it's a that's a great motivation. True. You know. Yeah, I would have been okay with them if they left it and they didn't really show when they went back to that. You know, the his his cave, what they call it, the the cave. Um, and showed that like he actually was doing all this stuff for the kids. I would have rather than left it so we still don't really have a great, greatly defined answer, but we know that like a lot of the kids are saying, "Well, I don't remember it happening." So you have this sort of like questionable psychological aspect to it. Like they have kind of have they repressed it, or have they actually just they did never it never happened, and they were making things up, or you know what what. You don't really have an answer for it. I would have been happier with that than having it come out and be a prescribed, this is what happened. I think, I I mean, I think uh, the new, I don't think the nuance would work for this film. So I think, I I do think like, with that being said, kind of knowing going into this, you know, it's not going to be nuanced at all, especially with the way they portray that backstory. I think it would have been much better for them to, Okay, how can we, you know, turn people, uh, you know, on their ear and be like, oh, wow. True. Make yeah, him it would definitely him, different. Make him be innocent. And that's, yeah. again, like I said, that's great. I think, like, if this was a better, like, had better, a better screenplay. Yeah. And a better director and better cast, then, yeah, you can go, like, with the more nuanced approach. Well, I, I don't think, though, this film has it. So I think if they just were, like, if they actually, like, had flashbacks of, like, Freddy... Because that's the thing they do in this film, too, is, like, Freddy is showing the kids, like, as he's going, fucking running through them, killing them, he's showing them more and more of the memories of what happened. That's how they, you know, Nancy and Quentin find out what happened to Freddy. If they made it leading up to his actually being innocent, then that would be a lot more impactful. And a lot more, like... And they actually could have gone in a different direction for the ending... In that they wouldn't have had to like pull him into the real world, which has been done a lot in other nightmares. Um, they could have done something else as retribution for them wrongfully murdering him in his in and not then and not and then, yeah, which would make the ending in this fucking film make more sense. Him not going after the kids anymore, but after right. the parents. Yeah, yeah, because that's always that would make that would make this crappy ending make much more sense. Like. Like, I forgive you, Nancy, for you telling me that I touched you and I never did. I'm going to fucking kill your mom now because yeah, you burned yeah. me alive. Right, you know? right, yeah. I, I, um... I'm going after Clancy. I think in this film, they make Freddy a, l- a lot more whinier than they really should. Because, like, even in some of the scenes, like, when he's uh, murdering Jesse... He's kind of saying things like, you know, will that bring people back? Will that bring anybody back from the dead if you, you know, you're upset and you're, you know, stuff like that. Well, maybe I, you shouldn't have, maybe you shouldn't have touched children. Right. I mean, I think that he's too whiny in this case where they're trying to at least garner up a little bit of sympathy for him. Yeah, but no one's going to see that. See, that doesn't work. He's a pedophile. Most people, when they see things on Facebook, like this person was arrested for, you know, pedophilia, he should be shot dead! 
He should be dragged through the streets, flayed, hanged, drawn and cord, and shot. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's you're not going to no, see... No sympathy there. Yeah, no. No, when people hear, like, oh, that guy got eight years, no one... Most people aren't happy with that law, you know, and that punishment. Yeah. So, I, I, I think... I th- I think if it was a different crime, then yeah, maybe you could be like, you know, try to garner some sympathy. But that's not something people are going to, you know, feel like, oh, I should feel sympathy for them. Yeah, it's an interesting idea, but I don't know if it... It, it doesn't work all the time in this film. Uh, yeah, I, just, I, just, I literally can't see that work. Just because, again, like with... Yeah, everybody's very, very outspoken about that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, though, I mean, I think that one of the other big issues with this film is that the, I would say the last two thirds of the film lag a lot because it's a lot about, um, both Quentin and Nancy as they try to figure out what's happening to them, like swapping back and forth from dream world to real world. In the original, there it was kind of a creative way of um, defying expectations from the audience where they never really knew if they were in the real world or in the dream world. Um, and here you can clearly tell. When yeah, you definitely can tell. Especially in like, the opening with the uh, first guy that gets killed, Dean. Um, they add like that filtery look like, to the outline of the picture. Yeah. It's like make it look blurry and like kind of uh, lit in a way, like like hazy and blurry. It's like like yeah, he's in the dream world. Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's almost like they they treat their uh, audience, the audience like they're kind of stupid. They're not going to really know if they're in the dream world, and that's the whole point of it is that you really don't know, so that anything can happen. Well, that's supposed to be the fun, but when you make it like now we're in the dream world, then like yeah, it's. That that's missing the point of the fun of the film. Yeah, and, and I don't really like the swapping when they go into their, you know, quick naps. Um, it takes away some of the tension because you're not in one area of the dream world long enough to really feel the suspense from it because they keep, like, jolting in and out of their sleep. So um, I really wish they would have just stuck with the fact that we never really knew whether they were in the dream world or in the real world. And the other thing that really bothers me is that the boiler room, uh, any of those scenes are very poorly done because you can clearly tell that it's some sort of backdrop or CGI. Uh, the lighting and, and the fog, everything about it just feels very fake and like um, Hollywood stage sort of thing. It doesn't really scream like this was actually shot in a really dingy boiler room or uh you know somebody actually took the time to build a set for this yeah it just it just screams like fake setup and it it doesn't work as well as it should especially like we said earlier where it looks like it could just be like one of jigsaw's layers except instead of a a green light throughout if it's orange yeah because it's supposed to be like hot like hell hellfire yeah yeah it just it doesn't work as well, and I I I think that they could have done a much better job at actually making this the dream world look better than it does. I was not impressed. Well, that's what happens when 
You're like, hey, the CGI we have now have access to can make everything that we ever thought of come true. I think yeah. that's where that problem lies in. Like the the shot of Freddy on fire running at the camera. <laughs> pretty pretty terrible. <laughs> oh, I, I thought for a second I thought you were talking about when he ran out of the building when he was a human. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when it's he's like sort of like a, that was a ghost real. rider. No. Yeah, remember the the one After part of Clancy's it is real. The one part of it is real as he's running out and he's on fire. That's real, like that's actually yeah. somebody on fire. And it's great. And after that, it shows his face. Oh yeah, no, coming that, at yeah, you. That, yeah, that's the CGI. Yeah, oof. that's yeah, no, that's bad. Where it's like part of the dream. The no, but no, the guy running out of the building. That's great because it's an actual person. You know, it's been lit on fire. On fire. To, yeah, yeah, you know, run out. Anything else that you want to add about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street that we yeah. haven't talked about yet? Yeah, Thomas Decker as Jesse playing douchebag numero uno is a poor man's poor man's Steven Dorff. Yeah. He looks like he's supposed to be fucking uh, Deacon Frost <laughs> in Blade. Like, you know. I'm expecting him to give some vampire speech and how he's the new blood. Yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about Connie Britton either. Connie Britton gets a very limited role as um, Nancy's mother. And uh, I would assume that this is a role that's post Friday Night Lights, but pre-American Horror Story. I at the, the, the conclusion in this film is a jump scare. And it's straight out of like... The original where Freddy pulls Nancy's mom through the porthole in the door. However, it doesn't work. Enough. First of all, it it's it doesn't really make sense because it's not really happening to Nancy. It's happening to her mom. Like it, it, and then also her mom's not sleeping or not that we know of and maybe she is but this is the dream apparently that she's in. but the whole thing just smacks of saying like well we don't really know how to end this you know we and we don't want freddy to really just be dead so we have to have some way of bringing him back later yeah but that's like the same thing like it was how the remake of friday the 13th ended like how like oh the two survivors and then jason jumps through the dock you don't need that we accept as an audience, especially now in this well-established franchise, they can come back for another film. You They'll don't, probably be back. Yeah. You don't need them to, you know... You could just go, like, the old-school James Bond route. Like, you can even have an end on a happy note, but then, like, in the end credits, like, Freddy Krueger will return in A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Freddy's back, you know? Right. Or whatever. You don't need to have, like, a... I mean, I... Like, I have... oh, we, 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 we swerved you. Because if, if it doesn't make sense, or if it's just, like, out of nowhere... Yeah, it, which it is in this one. It's out of nowhere. Even more so than Friday the 13th, because at least Friday the 13th is... I would say that's an even better homage to the original, because in the original, like, okay, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Voorhees is dead, and then Jason comes out of the water. That, you know, that works. That's great. That's, like, setting up, you know, later on. this one, And then Friday the 13th, it makes sense, because, like, okay, even all the things that they did to him... You know, it's plausible with how Jason is in the universe. He can, you know, hop through. Right. And this, Freddy was killed in the real world. So how does he get back to the dream world? 
How does he reincarnate himself? Mm-hmm. You know, how you know doesn't doesn't really get explained or anything. It's just like, oh, you know, he can't die. He's in, he's because he's a pissed off spirit. He'll just always be there in the dream world, yeah. apparently. Even though we don't know that we're in the dream world or anything like that. So, not my not my favorite ending for sure. Definitely. I mean, I like that it's an homage, but I would have been uh, fine with it just ending on a happy note. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, just, like, just let right. it let it end. Just like, all right. She finally. I think many people. Could, and then you could have had like the sequel be like it start off with Nancy. Yeah. And then Friday Kit, like, again, like, with, like, Friday 13th Part 2 and how, like, our main, I can't remember her name, but a lead actress from the first film gets killed off in the beginning. Yeah, Heather Langenkamp. Yeah. I mean, I I think many people could just relate to Nancy finally getting to lay her head down on a pillow and fall into a deep sleep. And then she can't sleep. That's the 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 nightmare. (laughs) That's the real nightmare. Now she's like, like, I'm (laughs) overtired. Yeah, that would no, be, I really that'd be can't terrible. Sleep. Yeah, she's afraid of a coma. <laughs> Is that, I don't think that's how that works. I have no. If idea. you go without sleep for like three days and you like go into a, you'll go into a coma. Possibly. I would assume that at some point your body just shuts down and you fall asleep until you can wake up again. I uh, yeah, I don't think you'd go into a fucking coma though. Yeah, I don't know if you're... Maybe on the rare... Extreme... I, guess, I think your body has built-in... Mechanisms. Yeah, that like, just okay, like, like, I'm tired, weird. I'm shutting down. Just like, you're like, oh, pass out. And like, right. like oh, you've been out for two days. Why? Oh, you, you, ha- you haven't slept for fu- a fucking week. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would think. But who knows? I'm not a doctor. No. Neither of these kids, but they act <laughs> like, you know, they... They un- they, they- kids here shoot up epinephrine epinephrine in their leg yeah, and just you know adrenaline right in, you know right in the thigh what wow what the, must be great security in that hospital this kid just like you know like <laughs> yeah breaks into just a like, oh, just like oh it's like a cart and- oh what's in this drawer over here you know behind this nurse's desk no one's paying attention yeah. um all right so what um out of ten red and green sweaters, what would you give on that Marin Elm Street twenty ten? I wouldn't even say his sweater's green in this. It's like brown. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, it's like a turdy brown. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a four. Give it a four out of ten mm-hmm. green and brown sweaters. Which I think I gave Friday th- a three. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I gave it a three. So you enjoyed this more than Friday? Slightly, yeah. Mm. I I find the overall plot to this less offensive. True, yeah. The f- fact that it wasn't like Nancy and her friends are on a magical weed quest. Like, that is true. Like like Friday the Thirteenth, all I need is like Harold and Kumar to stumble. Like Harold and Kumar meet Jason. That's a movie I'd watch. That would be pretty fun, actually. <laughs> I gotta say, I think that would be sort of like an Abbott and Costello yeah, for like, the new new world. You know, that yeah. would be pretty fun. Tenacious D meets Freddy Krueger. I'd watch that. I'd watch it. I would too. Yeah. Uh, I would probably give it a four and a half. I would say. Um, I do not like it as much as Friday Thirteenth. Um, you, you I know you gave that a five. Yeah, yeah. I would say that. Um, even though like with Friday the 13th, I watched it again and I enjoyed it a little bit more. I would say that's not the case with the nightmare on Elm street. 
I enjoyed it about the same as when I saw it in theaters, which was not very much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would, I would, I, I really, I don't think it's very good. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. Like if anybody was like, you know, uh, I like the original Nightmare. Do you think I should check out the remake? I'd be like, no. Watch Dream Warriors. Yeah, I was, yeah, Watch <laughs> Dream Warriors is pretty fun. Patricia Arquette's in that. Uh, you know, why not? I like Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors is, is a fun film. In It's like X-Men, but for, like, Friday horror. Friday. Yeah. Not for anything. Uh, for Nightmare. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I'd give it. I'd give it a four. I think I'm. If I remember correctly, I g- think I gave Friday a three because I remember. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a three because I think you said, "Wow, pretty harsh." Because three is a pretty low rating on my scale. Uh, but I think I'd give this a four. I because mainly I think the setup and execution is much better than Friday Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Like the whole pot farm thing just pisses me off about like 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 because it's like. What a stupid generic idea. <laughs> At least in this, they're sticking to the original bone, like even more so than Friday the 13th. They're sticking more to the bones of the original story. Yeah. Which makes for a much better plot. I will say this is still a sl- for an hour and a half film, is still slow, plotting, and doesn't go anywhere, even until like the end. It's still, a, you know, very tedious in how it builds things yeah and like how you said like how we're focusing on chris for like a good 40 minutes in this film for us to be like she's not the main lead why are we bothering it's like it's like it's just filler you're right um i think the cast in this outside of clancy brown is miserable and i only say that because i like clancy brown and even though i said earlier he doesn't do anything because they don't give him anything to do he's literally got like three minutes of screen time in this Still like okay, glad he's here. Yeah, at least he adds something, you know. Yeah, this is some some sophistication. <laughs> this um, is definitely not where Rooney Mara came into her own before she, you know, did stuff like the girl with the dragon tattoo and things like that. But, definitely uh, not. But overall, everyone, our main cast of friends are pretty unlikable, pretty miserable, given terrible dialogue to say, like in the most generic, like like how these. 2000s horror films portray teenagers and like they just say fucking shit all the time and like everything's just a big fucking ha 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 you know fuckity fuck 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 we're edgy look at us it's annoying i think jackie earl haley as freddie does the best that he can um and i don't put any of the blame on his portrayal of freddie on him i think it's all the script i think it's all the direction and he just said okay I'm sure he probably had a certain way and certain things that like way he probably wanted things portrayed, and he's probably told, "No, this is how we want it done," and that's how it comes across. In this, I could be totally wrong on that. Maybe that's like this is how he thought it should be portrayed, and if so, then shame on him. But the way it comes across in this, it seems like it's more of a directorial, and definitely, it's definitely a screenplay issue too. Um, we didn't really talk about the score in this is miserable. It's a very generic or overly used stinging, you know, score sound for throughout the entire film. Even like characters taking a walk down the street. It's like, and then we talked about earlier too. I, I don't think the effects in this are great at all. I think some of the kills are cool. And it's like, it, like, because they like, at least the CGI and some of that, like, 
of like Freddy tearing through Chris. Doesn't look great, but it's like okay, that's you know, they got to be able to do that at least with that. Doesn't look great, but it's not bad looking. But like the you know blood gusher that looks terrible compared to the original. Like we see is like a just total CGI blood. Um, so I'd say the effects are a very mixed bag in this. Yeah, but I will say it's it's a much easier watch than the Friday the Thirteenth remake for me. Much easier. The characters are less annoying. You can kind of root for you can root a little bit for Nancy in this, and that's about it. Mm. Yeah. So. So there you have it, Nightmare on Elm Street, 2010. Um, don't watch it. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it, it don't watch it. Um, watch New Nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend that instead. If you watch it, you won't sleep again. <laughs> hey, yeah. we got a tag. We got a tagline. There you go. Um, all right, so next week we are coming back with um, the last of our remake Halloween special, remake Halloween number eight. I can't believe we're already through it already. It seems like it's been pretty quick. Just yesterday. I know. Um, we've got the remake of Halloween from Rob Zombie, <laughs> otherwise known as The Devil's Rejects, but it's not really, but it also uses a popular franchise monster in it. <laughs> I thought it was called Garbage. Ouch. <laughs> well, we'll see what we think next week when we uh, view it again, because I've only seen it one time. The one time we saw it in theaters. That's it. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Should be fun. Um, and then after that, we do have a special Halloween episode that will be dropping on Halloween. So, uh, check back for that. And that's could it, could it be what Halloween? I don't know. Could it be Thanksgiving? Yeah. could be Thanksgiving by Eli Roth. Yeah. Thanks killing. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no. And the, and the, yeah. Thanksgiving, the short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Surprise! I can't believe that Halloween is almost here. To be honest with you, so, we'll see who can guess it. Yeah, I'm sure it's pretty easy to guess what we're going to be doing. But yeah, we've got a special <laughs> Halloween episode. Um, other than that, please uh, check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or any other podcasting app. Leave us a nice review and uh, subscribe to us on there. You can check us out on Facebook at Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter, Blood and Black Rum. You can tweet us on there and follow us. We have a an email address. It's bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon and donate to us, patreon.com slash bloodandblackrumpodcast. And also find us on coltsploitation.com, which is our podcast network. Um, and you can join the podcast network as well and become part of the podcast network with us. So you could share some some of the uh, the good things that we do. And we could swap episodes and do a lots of fun stuff. So if you're interested in that, check us out at coltsploitation.com and send an email. Other than that, we'll see you next week for our remake a ween episode on Halloween from Rob Zombie. And uh, we hope that you have a good week and you enjoyed this listen. Thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>